Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Tonight, I, like we've prepared things, but um, I know no amount of words can actually articulate something as big as what we're going to be talking about. Um, so I pray in, while you're there, lean in. Not to my words, but lean into what God's got for you. What is Jesus saying to you tonight? Um, but why don't you grab your Bible, your device, whatever that may be. I'm going to turn to John. Yep, let's do it. John, chapter 15, verse 9. Come on. Wonder where the youth are sitting. Wonder where the youth are sitting. And I've got one verse. This is our keystone verse today. And it's this, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. As the Father, this is Jesus speaking. So Jesus is um, doing the prayer thing to his, this, with his disciples. He's about to go and do the crucifixion thing. Um, so this is like his last major prayer for his disciples that is recorded. And in this, he says, as the Father has loved me, Jesus, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Um, if you are taking notes, even if you're not, I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, the title of my message tonight is, I'm done pretending I want the real thing. I'm done pretending I want the real thing. Um, anyone who listens to music, yes, that is lyrics to a song, and I cheated, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> but this is the first weekend of our new series, Love Is. As City Point Wide, we're going through um, relationships and pretty much what does God define love as? And um, this definition of what God says love is, is probably paramount in our society today. As people come with opinions, with agendas, and things are shifting within society, what is truth is actually a major, um, major requirement um, in our lives. Because as Christians, it's our difference to the world where Jesus shines the most. And um, understanding who He is and what He's talking about. And um, so what we're doing is... Uh, we're going through four different Greek words of love. There were the weird words. Um, and now let's just get this straight. I'm no ancient Greek, um, nor, <laughs> nor am I a Greek scholar. So straight up, they're about to be mistakes, um, but let's just go with it. <laughs> and Andrew and I were playing around before and we're like, imagine if an Australian was pronouncing these like Australians. It'd be like, storgy, storge. <laughs> Phihilia, um, but no, it's uh, agape, not agape. Um, eros, <laughs> got to roll the R. Um, uh, philia and stor- storage, 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 storage. Um, but we've got agape, which is what we're talking about tonight, which is the love of God for the world. And this stands in stark contrast to the three other loves, which are natural loves. We've got eros, which is where we get our word, um, English word erotic, and therefore it's indicative of romantic love. Um, We've got philia, which is brotherly love, or like friendship, close brotherhood sort of vibes. Um, And then we have nesca, which is familiar love, or like family love, like the way a, a son and a father interact. 
um, a way a parent looks towards their children. And these aren't like restricted to the context there. That's just the example that they're given. And, um, but yeah, the three other loves that apart from agape and natural loves, there's one person showing to another. But in the stark contrast, agape stands alone as the supernatural love. It is, in fact, where all the other loves get their definition from. Because when God spoke everything into being, these happened. Agape made eros. It was God's plan for marriage to exist and romantic relationships to exist. But they didn't happen outside of first God loving us. And so what we're diving into tonight is a big topic. It is literally just the love of God. And um, that's why I'm like, ah. um, but I'm, I'm glad I'm not on Eros um, as, the, as the message, as a two-year veteran of marriage. I'm still a very much a rookie. <laughs> and I'd be like, guys, these, ain't, these people ain't going to listen to me. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to listen to me. Um, but uh, so we're leaning into what God has for us. And um, it really all starts and finishes with love. We see in this passage that Jesus, God, Son, the man who is both fully man and fully God, said to his disciples, my motivation and my ability in being Christ wasn't of myself. In fact, it was because God loved me that I was able to love you. It was his reality. He knew how much his father loved him. Therefore, he loved. And therefore, remain in my love. And that's literally my message tonight. Know God's love, remain in that love. But I don't know about you, but this morning I didn't wake up and think to myself, I'm going to live a subpar life today. Um, I woke up and um, I've still got a bit of a youth camp hangover, so I was a little bit resistant. Um, (laughs) But I got up, made my coffee because being a barista means you can make coffee and be good anywhere you go. Um, Yeah, it's good. Um, And got up, but I didn't think to myself, man, I want to suffer today. I just want to make it through. Um, And like, there's some days that are harder than others, and we're just like, I just need to get to the end of the day. I just need to leave work. I just need to get home. I just need to get to bed um, Tuesday. Um, (laughs) um, But... I, didn't, I don't go through life every single day thinking, I just want to survive. Because God's will for me is more than survival. It's more than living under oppression of someone else or someone else's idea. It's actually to live a life of abundance. Um, Jesus came and he said, I came to give you life and life more abundant to the most abundance. It was not a subpar life. It was not, I came to give you a semi idea of what it means to survive life, just enough for you to get through your day sort of thing. No, it was a life of living on the edge of God's goodness every moment, thinking, man, I'm living. I don't know what I'm doing today at work. It doesn't even matter where I am at work because I'm living in the abundance. I'm not victim to my circumstance. I'm not victim to my condition because Jesus has preordained me to live in not just a life of survival, but of abundance. And so what, that in mind, I want to read a scripture with you, and it is Ephesians 3, and we're starting at verse 12. I, I've, I've thrown off the notes, I'm sorry, bro. Um, Ephesians 3, verses 12, and it says, Because of Christ and our faith in Him, we have, can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Down to verses 16, I pray 
This is Paul speaking to his people here, saying, Paul prays that his God's glorious unlimited resource, he will empower you, the people, with inner strength through his Holy Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will go down into God's love and it will keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand, as all people should, all of God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his extravagant love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too much to greatly understand. Oxymoron right there, I want you to understand it, even though it's too much to understand. I uh, gotta love the Bible. Um, end of that verse saying, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Then you'll be made complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God who is able to do his mighty work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or than we can think. Glory to him in the church, in Jesus Christ, through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And I love the end of that prayer. I should do that more often. Through all generations. Amen. But in this passage, we see that fullness is in love. Your fullness, your most abundant life, is found in his fullness. And you love according to how you are loved. And so what I want to talk tonight, what I want to reveal tonight, is the reality behind God's love. It is not a love that demands anything of you or de determines you to be a certain way, but meets you where you're at. And it does not come with condition, but it says, just come as you are. And in that, in that fullness, in that wholeness of his love, that's where we find our fullness. That's where we find our completeness in who he is. Because I don't want to live subpar, but I want to live in his goodness. I don't want to live settled. I want to live in victory. So I want to experience his love. So your fullness is found in his fullness, and you love as you are loved. Um, uh, Jesus did this. Um, I love that Jesus had to get baptized. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, you're the son of God. And, and John had this conversation with him. He's like, I'm not baptizing you. Like, you know who you are? Do you know who I am? Um, <laughs> but in this moment where uh, uh, Jesus comes to John and baptizes him, um, a voice comes from heaven. Now, this would have been awesome at youth camp. Um, a voice comes from heaven, and it speaks out, and it says to Jesus and those around him, it says, you are my son, my beloved son, in who I am well pleased. This is the start of Jesus' ministry. He hasn't yet performed any miracles. He hasn't gone into the world. Um, he hasn't, like, started proclaiming and healing people yet. This is Jesus pre that. Um, he's about, he's like 30 years old. He's about to start his ministry. And this is the point in which he's actually being um, anointed and ordained by the Holy Spirit in a way that empowers him to move into everything he needs to be and everything he needs to do in the world around him. And I love that God chose not to say to him, you have all strength. You have all power, you have all goodness, you have all godliness at your disposal. Instead, he said, you are my beloved son. 
in the, in the Bible, we see that Jesus, when he refers to his dad, or God, he doesn't say, I'm just Lord. But every single time, he says, my father, my father, my father, my father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. My father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. God's, or Jesus' very foundation in being who he needed to be was he was his son. Let me tell you tonight that you're a son and you're a daughter with God. That you have actually nothing to, you are not um, less than in the kingdom. In fact, the, the, the uh, mind-blowing thing about the gospel is that Jesus' blood covers us so thick and our inadequacy is so covered, our unworthiness so densely covered by who he is that when Jesus stands before God and we stand next to him, it's like we're wearing his coat because in the same way that Jesus stands right before God, so do we. There is no comparison. There's no differentiation. Well, that's just Jesus. No, instead it says, no, that's Dan. That is Jesus. He's covered. He's wearing Jesus on him in such a way that it now eliminates every sense of striving for love. I no longer have to work for my acceptance. I'm accepted. Done. Full stop. End of story. That's it. When we, when we say, God, I want to be a part of this family, and we do the confession of Christ, and we say, God, take my world, turn it upside down. I want to follow you. In that moment, we are adopted into his family, his sons and his daughters. And it is not as less than sons and daughters. It is as if he is looking at his son, Jesus Christ. And our life now is not trying to be a son, nor is it trying to be a daughter. It is learning what it means to be a son and a daughter. I'm already a son. Therefore, this is how we're going to do it. Have your parents ever said, that's not how a Jensen does it? Or this is what a Jensen does? Yeah. Maybe your last name is different from mine. In which case, insert name here. Um, but when God gives us commands, it's not commands in how to be right with Him. It's commands in how to be who He's called us to be. He's given you the position already. He's now lifting you up to be everything He's called you to be. So when he says, love your brother as I have loved you, it's because you have every capacity to love your brother, to love your sister, your friends, your family in the same way that Christ does. You have his love so deeply positioned in your heart through his Holy Spirit that you can do everything that Jesus did on the planet. In fact, even more, he said, it is better that I go because I will send a helper to you and you will do greater works than these. So you're not only a position of righteousness before God, you can now operate in the fullness of God. Miracles should follow your life because you are operating as a son and a daughter. Not because you pray a certain way, not because you do like this weird sort of conjuring of faith, like you have to stand off before you pray for someone, you're like, God, it's like a Kamehameha, when in like Dragon Ball Z where they summon power, and you're like, mm, I can feel the faith rising. Uh, you do not have to summon faith in order to operate in what God's got for you. You just operate. 
in the same way that Jesus so naturally went around his day, um, just healing people and praying for people and inserting wisdom into their lives. Like there's the story where he's going to um, uh, heal the, the son of a leader and in, on his way, he's not even paying attention to her. On his way, a woman grabs the corner of his garment. And in that moment, he's so naturally a son of God, the power healed her. You can walk around in your daily, not just living subpar, but victory living in this same way. This is where we're straying from the notes, but let's do it. <laughs> and the crazy thing about this love is that we do nothing to deserve it. This is the fullness of God. And I can honestly do nothing to deserve it, but I can operate confidently in it. There's a difference. You can confidently be a son and daughter without feeling like you're being cocky. Um, and it's this idea that God's love chooses you, independent of who you are. Agape, the way, I did some Greek study. I know I didn't say I was a Greek scholar, but whatever. Um, but I did some study. And a characteristic of agape love, God's love for the world, is the idea that it is not dependent upon the recipient. It is actually upon the value that the person that's giving it considers the recipient. So check this. Even though you are unworthy, definitely right. Um, even though I am still making mistakes, even though I did stand before God as a sinner, eternally separated to, by Him, it doesn't matter because God did not look at me and count my sins against me. Instead, He said, no, that's Cam, not Cameron because he's not in trouble. That's Cam. That's my son. And my value for him, God did like this little quick cost-benefit analysis in his head and went, I can have him, Cam, at the cost of my son, Jesus. That's worth it. In fact, the value for your life is actually spoken by the price someone else is willing to pay for it. It is not how you feel you are going through your day. The thoughts you have in your mind, the job you work, how you grew up, that what your parents said about you, what your, your, your school teachers said to you, how successful people thought you were going to be, or how you seem to be living your life in such a way that seems to be spiraling down or not, all these things don't matter. In fact, all of your successes also don't matter. Anything you do that you deem successful still does not qualify you or change anything about God's love for you. You can work the biggest job that you can want to work. You can, you can have the family and be the family man that you want to be. You can earn that amount of money, have that car, have that dog. Um, you can do all of that. You can be deemed successful. You can smile. You can wear the clothes. You can have the Instagram likes. Do whatever you want to do. Successful still isn't a qualifier for God's love. Anything you do does not qualify you for God's love. It is only God's love that chooses to love you. And that's crazy. That's crazy. By the very fact that I'm a son of God has nothing to do with me. All I did was receive. All I did was go, okay, I'm in. I want to follow you. And it cost everything because it cost him everything. 
He loves us so much, so beyond our scheme of things, so beyond our comprehension. He's like, no, you're worth it. And our sense of fake it until you make it. Now, I'm a big fan of fake until you make it because if you're competent at something and you're going to work in it, you should probably go and do something else. Um, Always apply for a job that you're not yet qualified for Um, (laughs) because God's bigger than that. Um, I love I love your mining story that uh, this morning, Dave. And it's like, I don't know what this big mysterious money mine thing is, but I'm going there, <laughs> and I'm going to get a job. Uh, <laughs> and um, I'm a big fan of it. And it's just this this simple idea of fake it till you make it. But let's not transpose that onto the love of God. Um, let's not see that I have to become someone in order for Him to love me. I already am someone who he thinks is lovable, therefore I am a son. So that's the first thing. Um, I will leave that. Let's move on. That's the first thing. And so it says, as the Father loves me, therefore I have loved you, now remain in my love. If you've ever encountered the love of God in the same way that Jesus says, I, I know that I'm loved, that's not the end. Jesus specifically says, remain in that love. Remain in that love. Remain means there's resistance. There's resistance trying to tear you away from your reality of loving God. In Jude, there's a book called Jude. Um, It doesn't have any chapters. It only has verses because it's one. It's right before Revelation. So if you're trying to flick to it, it's going to take you 20 minutes. Um, But Jude, verses 20 to 21 says, But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring you into eternal life. Keep yourselves in God's love. Remain in Him. In John 15, verse 1, it says, I am the great, true grapevine. So this is Jesus saying, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You are not called to exist, you are called to produce. You have been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For every branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Let's leave that one there. To remain means there's resistance. You are fighting the fight to remain in his love. You have to choose to be loved. You have to wake up on a daily basis and fight any truth or any lies or messages that come against the truth that you are already chosen. And it's subtle. The, I love that the fact there's resistance, the reason that there is resistance is because when you know who God thinks you are, you're in position of danger to the devil because you're taking back ground and you're living in his fullness. And so when, we, we're in, when we're in this position, when I've accepted God, when I live in it, even though I'm a follower of Christ, my daily, my daily is to remain in his love. Notice I didn't say my daily was to pray. Notice I didn't say my daily is to read his word. My daily isn't The goal is not the performance of religious activities that might get me in a position of receiving from Him. Everything is through Holy Spirit. So I can copy 
copy the, the habits of someone else. I might look at someone like Pastor Sam or Carolina. I might look at people like Bill Johnson or, or uh, Pastor Brian Houston. And I might, if I sat down with them, I could go, hey, what are some habits that you've put in your life that have enabled you to get where you are and secure you and root you in t- deep into the love of God? And they say this, this, and this. If I go home and do this and this and this, it does not necessitate the same maturity and depth of relationship that they have. The power of prayer is not in prayer, is in God. The power of God's Word is not the text, it's God. His story is intertwined into it. Everything He thinks about you is intertwined into its pages. When you read the Bible, you are not going, what does this Bible say to me right now? You are saying, what has God already said about me and what He is saying to me now? I need to fight to remain in His love because there is messages coming at me that says, oh, I'm not enough. I need that car. I need this. I know I did a marketing major in business. I know it. Um, <laughs> everything is out to get the fact that you need something from something else in order to be complete. But the truth is you're already complete. And there's this idea, the question around this, this question around that I want to ask you tonight about remaining and fighting to remain is what messages are you sending yourself? What are you putting in front of your face? What are you listening to? What are you allowing yourself to listen to? It might be a music thing. It might be a, 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 a book thing. It might be a TV thing. Amanda and I don't watch TV at all. We, we watch Netflix because, you know, uh, <laughs> but we're very specific about we, what, what we put in front of our eyes. Because I know my eyes are the gateway to my mind. And therefore, what messages I'm sending myself will in fact somehow change my attitude towards myself. And that can be a good thing or a bad thing. I can put God messages in front of me. I can put testimony in front of me. The reason we share testimony on a Sunday isn't just to tell you that someone else got their miracle. It is actually to create the atmosphere of faith for it to happen to someone else. It says in the Bible that the spirit of, um, the spirit of, uh, no, testimony is the spirit of prophecy. Um, which in fact says that someone else's testimony can be your prophecy. And prophecy is declaring something as if it is when it is not yet. So when you hear that some youth guy got their, their healing from their starter that they were in three years, no one even called him and prayed for him, you have a starter be healed. You can attach your faith to that and say, that can happen in my life too. When you hear that a family member of someone else's life gets saved, you can attach your faith to that and says, God, if you can do that for them, you can do it for me. And it's the power of testimony. What are the messages? Are you... Do you think more about God than you do about other things? And I'm not just talking about putting 96.5 on the radio. I'm saying if someone prophesied a word over you, have you written it down and do you recall it to yourself? Do you declare things over your life that are truth, like you are dearly loved, that you do not have to strive, that you are a change maker on this planet because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you? 
Because everywhere we go in this world, we will get lies that try and tear us down and move us from that reality. But we need to fix our eyes and fight to remain. This is a quote from Bill Johnson. It says, when we declare the works of God, we release a creative prophetic anointing that changes the atmosphere. In fact, the declared testimony creates access for the very anointing that brought about the testimony in the first place, which is also released through a declaration. Our ignorance has kept us from receiving what we would never perceive to be available. That's the idea of reading something and hearing someone else. You can perceive what God actually has for you. It says, without revelation of how God works, we can't reach out with faith and grab hold of the heavenly potential that is in the atmosphere around us. In Romans 12, verses 1, it says, Do not copy the behaviors of the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by the changing the way you think. Then you will learn and know what God's will is for you. Thank you for listening. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We encourage you to tell someone about your decision and pray and read the Bible every day. We also recommend attending a church in your local area. We have many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We are so excited to see you there.